This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. I am a brand warrior. I am proud of my craft. I achieve mastery through curiosity and continuous learning. I am courageous enough to speak up and stand up for what I believe in. I am clear on my purpose and personal values. I have a conviction to make an impact. I am kind to myself and others. I am creative and resourceful in how I solve problems. I am armed with super skills that help me promote and protect my brand's experiences. I used to be just an ordinary human being who stepped up and demanded more meaning from my craft. I am a brand warrior. Welcome to the Brand Warrior Revolution, a podcast hosted by Chantal Boerter that will feature guests and topics related to cultivating brand warriors. Hi, this is Chantal and you're listening to the Brand Warrior Revolution podcast. And today I am so excited. My skin literally wants to peel off because I have got Dr. Janina Scarlett in the house and I have great admiration for the work that she does. And I cannot, cannot wait to share for her to share her story her story with you. And as you know, this podcast is about stories that can change people. And we know that this world that we live in has various challenges. And I'm just rounding up as many people with amazing stories so that we can become this tribe of superheroes that will change this world for the better. So Dr. Janina, I am just overjoyed that you said yes to come and grace my audience with your presence and tell us your story. So I'm going to dive right in and ask you just to like, tell us, tell us your origin story. Oh, Chantel, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I'm really excited. And yeah, I think, I think we all have an origin story, every single person. And my origin story began in Ukraine. So I was born and raised in Ukraine. And right before my third birthday, there was a massive explosion at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. And everyone in Ukraine and the nearing countries was affected. And so what that meant for me was spending most of my childhood in and out of the hospital, being very ill, not knowing if I would make it to adulthood. And some of the side effects still persist to this day. So whenever the weather changes, I go through severe migraines, which sometimes lead to seizures. And when we moved to United States, I was 12. And I imagine some of our listeners probably remember what it's like being 12. And uh, I usually say that we need to start like I survived adolescence, you know, support group. Um, And it was rough, you know, I, I know a lot of kids are bullied at that age, and I was too. But more than anything, no one talked about mental health in my school at that time. And so I mistakenly thought I was the only one struggling with depression and anxiety and having trauma symptoms. I didn't know what any of those things were. I just knew that I was really struggling. And I thought that there was something wrong with me. I saw other kids laughing, having a good time. And 
I felt very, very alone. And then when I was 16 years old, I went to the movies and I saw a movie that changed my life forever. And it was the X-Men. I didn't really expect anything. And when I saw it from the moment the movie started, I just, I felt like it was written for me. But the truth is it was written for everyone. And the movie is about this group of mutants, right? This group of individuals who all have some kind of a genetic mutation, but they're bullied and ostracized and targeted because of their differences. They all feel incredibly alone. And then they merge to form this group called the X-Men to help people. And as I'm watching it, I just I have tears running down my, my cheeks because I, I just, I can relate to every single one of them. And then I meet Storm, played by Halle Berry, the very first Storm, and she has this ability to control the weather. Now, my whole life, I felt like the weather controlled me, you know, and, and I see her, it, exactly, and I was just like, whoa, that's amazing. And, and just somehow seeing her made me rethink my origin story. So for the first time I said to myself, maybe I'm not a victim, right? Like maybe I'm a survivor and maybe I have almost like a superpower where like storm, maybe I can't control the weather, but I can feel it in my body. So maybe it means that I have this very special connection with the earth. And so it just allowed me to rethink it. I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. And, and then as I started looking around me, I noticed that every single person that I could see anyway in a completely sold out movie theater was crying when I was crying and laughing when I was crying, when I was laughing. And, and so what that meant to me is that every single person could relate to the characters. And I said, but wait a minute, not everybody was exposed to Chernobyl radiation. Not everybody knew what it's like to be a mutant. And I realized that every single person in that movie theater and the movie did really well. So really millions and millions of people that saw this movie knew what it was like to feel alone. And if the movie was made and it, if it did well, it means that a lot of people know what it's like to be alone. And maybe we're not different in being alone, but maybe it's in that aloneness that we're all the same. And it changed my life. And so it was because of this movie that I decided to go into psychology. And now I use stories like the X-Men, like Avengers, like Batman, like Harry Potter to help people to learn that what happens to them is just their origin story. It's the beginning, but the rest of our journey is up to us. And my purpose is to help people to learn how to become their own version of a superhero in real life. Oh, I'm, I'm like, you've taken my breath away. It's, it's, and I think, as you said, it's such a, it's such a universal story. Um, yes. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, are we born superheroes and then something happens and then we, we almost unsuperheroed throughout, you know, whatever, whatever hurts us, whatever, you know, whatever gets to us. And, and, and then, as you said, we've, we've got to start, start the search again for the superhero in us, because I look at children when they're young and, you know, they believe they can do anything and they've got, their imagination is so unlimited. So yeah, just 
talk to me a little bit about that messy bit in the middle because you 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 talk to a lot of people and and you see a lot of people in 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 your work what happens there in the middle i think that it's not the trauma it's the way that people around us react to mental health because i think that trauma is a part of life we all experience trauma we all experience mental health challenges. Every single one of us has felt anxious, depressed, lonely, right? But I think that at the very least in the Western world, the way that mental health is perceived is if you're struggling, take a pill. If you're still struggling, well, there's something wrong with you and figure it out. But it's a lie. It's a lie that we tell to fool ourselves. And you're right. I think everyone is born a superhero. And I think where the story changes is not from the painful experiences we go through, but the way that we're taught we have to process them. We're taught that, well, look at the positive. We're taught to say, well, you know, kind of just figure it out, fit in the box, go on this on this um, path that's been pre-designed for you. But if you look at children, they're idealistic in the most beautiful way, right? They say, well, but if, if something happened to somebody, shouldn't we help, right? And a lot of times the adults are kind of stop and think, you're right, we should help. And so I think that if we're allowed to keep that childlike wonder, and if we're allowed to remember that that sense of being special and being different isn't an illusion, that's, that's actually our truth, and, and that we can follow our heart in this way, even if it means taking a different path, that I think actually we'll see a very different outcome in the way people respond to each other. And if when somebody's suffering, people band together like the X-Men did and, and support each other, I think we're gonna have a very different society. I think that the reason why we have such a pandemic of mental health around the world isn't because of the COVID pandemic, I think it's because people are very lonely and then they're punished for being lonely. They're told there's something wrong with you if you're feeling lonely. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, I, I, I look at all the messages that I've gotten throughout my life. You know, whenever I'm going through a struggle, put on your big old pants. You know, sickness is weakness. You know, in our family, we problem solvers. You know, we don't ponder. And and I think you know, as a as a society, some of that has become just, you know, an an epidemic. You know, we. I look at we work a lot in the corporate space. If I look at, you know, people that are, you know, they've got good hearts and good souls, but they just on autopilot. They've just disconnected completely. And, you know, I'd like to get your thoughts on, you know, COVID has has probably, you know, injected some trauma into all of into all of our lives to a, to a certain extent. It feels to me like, you know, the underlying fault lines in our society has become very exposed through this. You know, lonely people have become lonelier. Corporate cultures that are toxic have almost become, it's it's as if a veil has been lifted. And, you know, weirdly, we're walking around with masks. And we did walk around with masks before, but they just weren't seen. Now the masks are visible. The fault lines are visible. The cracks are showing. What's your view? (laughs) It's complicated, isn't it? Because I think for some people, you're right. For a lot of people, 
uh, it's exacerbated some of those symptoms and yes, lifted the veil. And I think we're becoming a lot more aware of how loneliness plays a factor in our mental health more than just about any other factor. And also in terms of how certain um, groups, like whether we're a part of fandom or a part of a sports team or a part of um, like, maybe we play video games together are not only helpful, but necessary for our survival, right? Like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, we used to belong to groups. We used to belong to tribes for survival, right? If you weren't a part of a group, you would starve or you would get eaten by a lion. Yeah. Now we don't physically need other people per se, right? Uh, you know, for, for many of us, we might be able to survive physically for a little bit anyway, without other people. But the truth is we can't survive for too long. And the reason why is because our body, not only psychologically, but physiologically still relies on connection. When we're around people that we care about, this could be our family and friends, this could be our fandom, this could be a video game uh, that we play with people on opposite ends of the world, but we play every day and we catch up with those people. Our bodies release this magic chemical called oxytocin. This chemical not only helps to lift our mood, but it actually strengthens our immune health and our heart. Some of the recent studies are finding that the effects of loneliness are just as damaging on our health as the effects of chronic smoking or chronic drinking. Now they don't affect our lungs or liver in the same way, but they shorten our lifespan and affect our immune health and our heart health in the same way. Oh my gosh, that is frightening. It is, it is, but the opposite is true too. Yeah. When we have, <clears throat> when we have meaningful support groups, the effects of that are amazing in that our immune health gets better. Not only our, our, our emotional health gets better, but our immune health, health gets better. And the really interesting thing, at the end of our DNA, we have these little tails that are called telomeres. The more they replicate, the more they get, they shrink, right? They get shorter and shorter and shorter. And it is said that the tail ends of the DNA, the telomeres kind of predict how much life we have left, right? That we can almost like approximate it. Well, what we know is that traumatic life events like going through cancer, losing a loved one, shrink our telomeres faster, as does loneliness. But what's interesting, what we just learned, like maybe a few years ago, is that meditation, yoga, and having a supportive group of friends can not just reduce the shrinkage of the telomeres, but can increase it by as much as 10% in a five-year period, suggesting that we might be able to not only slow down the degeneration of our bodies, but increase our lifespan through yoga, meditation, and meaningful social interactions. So it is literally life-saving. And so that's why I have that caveat that in some ways we don't physically need other people, but we do. Our life depends on it. Sure, a few, a few, a few months back, I, I read somewhere that 
you get healthier if you hug someone for 30 seconds. And I started hugging my three kids and my husband for 30 seconds each a day. And, and, and I've got a teenage son of 16. I can tell you, it takes, it takes a lot for him not to, <laughs> not to have like rumblings and unhappiness about it. But I mean, I mean, now that I'm listening to you, like it, it, it does, it does, it does make sense. And, and I mean, one of the things, um, Janina, that we really struggling with is, you know, my, my, my team of facilitators, we spend, you know, sometimes eight hours a day on Zoom. And sometimes we work with groups where the cameras are off. And, and, and we internally, we have a cameras on culture. If, you know, if someone's really sick or they're not feeling great, but, you know, part of our job is that connection, you know, and I'm so glad I can see your eyes and you've got just beautiful eyes and beautiful smile. And some of that tells us that we are safe, you know, so in this, in this online world, just searching for that connection, searching for that you know, if, if I was with you in the room, we probably would have ended this, you know, by hugging, but we can't do that. You know, at the moment, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's probably not great for health protocols to hug a complete stranger. Um, but I think that just that desire for, you know, I can see your eyes and, and, and our brains are probably going through some kind of a process of saying, I need to find new cues you know, to tell me that I, I'm, I'm connected with you, that you're safe, that you're on my side, that you, you know, part of my, my ex people, you know? <laughs> yes. And the more sensory properties we engage, the closer that connection is, right? So if we're um, in the same room with somebody, if we don't have any visual or auditory disabilities, then we can see that person, we can hear them, whether we realize it or not, uh, unless again we have a disability we can smell them right and so there's um, um there's uh, there's at least three different sensations that are now activated the more sensory properties are activated the closer our connection typically is but it's better to have one than none right and so even when people interact with each other purely auditorily for example it's still better than nothing it's still brings a sense of connection, but the more senses we can activate, the closer that connection is. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Audience, so the more senses you can activate, the more connection connection you get. So Janina, I wanna I wanna spend a few minutes just talking about you know the dragons and, and what to do with the dragons within. I you know I I often uh, look at the uh, a transactional analysis model and we teach that to people and you know I, I explain to people you know I, I just happened to grow up with you know two very critical parents and you know a lot of my inner voice is is very critical that's how I motivate myself I, I typically would, would not talk to myself and say to myself oh Chantal well done you know how about doing better next time I would go you're not fast enough you're not clever enough you so so a lot of that internal internal narrative is 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 quite you know it's it's exhausting to listen to my to my inner voice and and I have to like really have some practices in place to like keep it keep it quiet and and it's noisy it's a heck of a noisy in my head so you know let's just talk talk about you know it's kind of slaying these dragons you talk about slaying the dragons you know i talk about the bitch inside you know yeah <laughs> it just goes nee, 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 nee. <laughs> well, there are a few 
few things about it. You know, one I think is developing compassion for ourselves for having these dragons. And the other one that's going to sound weird is developing compassion for the dragons. So I want to start with talking about compassion for ourselves. And Kristen Neff is one of the, no, really the top researcher and author on self-compassion. I highly recommend all her work and all her books. Uh, but really, I think a lot of times when, let's say, we're struggling to get out of bed in the morning or we're struggling to motivate ourselves to work out or to do our work, we blame ourselves for struggling. But if we think about that for a moment, it doesn't make any sense, right? We're kicking ourselves when we're down. And so I like to create this metaphor that anytime you're struggling, you're really a dragon fighter. You're fighting a dragon, right? So if you're trying to slay five dragons with one hand and you're trying to do your report with another hand, I mean, if I was watching a movie of somebody doing that, I would say, wow, that is impressive that that person is fighting five dragons with one hand and still trying to do their school or their work report with another. I wouldn't expect that report to be pristine, right? I, I would just be impressed that they're doing it. Yeah. And the truth is that's what we do every day, right? Most of us, that's how we function. We're slaying a bunch of dragons as we're trying to do our work, but then we beat ourselves up if it takes us a little bit longer or if we've made a typo or something like that. But the truth is the fact, the mere fact that you're showing up while you're you're facing all of these dragons, that's already amazing, right? So I actually think if anything, it's praiseworthy right? That you're showing up and you're doing it. So I think having some compassion for ourselves in that regard is important. The other thing I like to address is having compassion for the dragons themselves. A lot of times we might try to either believe them, right? That we're awful or try to shun them away. But the truth is the dragons often represent a small scared child inside of us that's trying to do everything to appease everybody else, to avoid the critical parents, for example. And so if we think about what is this dragon trying to protect me from? Is it trying to maybe tell me all these awful things so that I don't look foolish in front of my parents or other critics, right? Other external people. Then maybe we can think about this dragon as benevolent, but maybe not very skillful in how they're trying to protect us, how they're trying to encourage us. And so maybe we can consider maybe befriending that dragon and saying, hey, I get it. I know you're scared and I, I appreciate you looking out for me, but we've got this. It's okay. So we can almost over time become a parent to that dragon. And what's really interesting is that after a while, the dragon becomes smaller, so we can almost like cuddle the dragon and, and soothe the dragon and support the dragon. Um, and all the while then remembering what our work is for and that it doesn't have to be perfect. Oh, I love that. I love that. I can see myself journaling for the next few days just on, you know, what, what I think asking that powerful question, what is the dragon trying to protect me from? Um, and and more embracing it, I, I, you know, as as I'm listening to you, I think some of my awareness, and I'm actually quite deeply deeply touched by this. Some of my awareness is that, you know, these these internal voices are so loud, and if something from the outside, you know, criticizes me or I get feedback, then they gang up, and it's like my inner bully and my outer bullies. They they all having a a bit of a party here, and I, I find myself constantly like 
you know, moving around in the drama triangle. I want to be the hero, but I'm the victim. And and then, you know, when my energy is completely depleted, I turn into the into the villain and I lose my shit. And often, mm-hmm. you know, I lose my shit with the people closest to me, my kids and my my kids and my husband. You know, they they get the last bit of the day and, and by the end of the day there's probably not a lot left because I've had this like this internal dragon dragon slaying going on all day long. Yeah, and not only are we the victim, we're also the victim and the perpetrator at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Right, and and it becomes this really vicious cycle. And you're right, it's the people closest to us that end up getting hurt as a result, because oftentimes we, without realizing it, see the people closest to us as an extension of ourselves. So as a part of self-punishment, we lash out on the extensions of ourselves. But yeah. usually we're a lot kinder to strangers, to neighbors, right? Yeah. Even Absolutely. if we're in that moment losing our shit, as you say, right? And then a neighbor comes by, we put it together, right? We tend to Sometimes be very my polite. kids frown. They go like, what just happened? Where was, yeah. the, where was the person who was here moments ago? <laughs> like, what just happened? Exactly. Exactly. And so I think that we weren't taught many of us to recognize wait a minute notice that anger that you have with yourself that shame and notice what's behind it like let's peel back that curtain because behind it is fear and pain yeah and if we can sit with that yeah if we can parent that then we're gonna have a very different reaction to ourselves and to the people around us yeah, I, I was in a class earlier this week, Janina, and someone said something incredibly powerful about emotions. We tend to judge emotions. And this person said, if no emotion is ever negative in the right dosage. It's about the dosage. You know, if you have a lot of fear, if you have a lot of anger, then, you know, that's going to be toxic to your life. If you have you know, an overflow of of joy, and you take no responsibility, and you just desire more pleasure and joy. That's also that's also got its got its downside. So, I th- I think you're so right in, you know, finding 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 that finding that balance. And I think it's a, a, I think you're right in that no emotion is bad. I think every emotion is good and helpful, and I think that there's a difference between emotion and action. Yeah. And so whatever emotion we feel, whether it's joy, whether it's anger, whether it's jealousy, whether it's, you know, fear and security, they're all important. They're all telling us about something we need, but it's how we respond. We can be angry because maybe we're being wronged or maybe our children or our loved ones are being wronged. And that anger is important because then it will uh, it will push us to take an action to protect ourselves or to protect our loved ones. But just because we're angry doesn't mean we have to be violent or aggressive, right? And so if we can sit back and watch that emotion with curiosity and maybe again treat it like a small scared child, like a baby dragon, right? And, and ask it like, hey, what's going on, right? What are you feeling right now? What do you need? A lot of times we'll realize that we need safety, reassurance, maybe a break, 
right? Because maybe we've been working too much or, or being too hard on ourselves. And if we can offer that to ourselves, then, you know, that's where soothing happens. And so if we look at emotions as information, then we can have a very different relationship with them and with ourselves. Oh, that's incredible. So I love steps and recipes. So let's just see. So for people listening to this that might be, you know, sitting in a job or a relationship or a, or a life that they know, they know they're kind of stuck. They're stuck in this um, potentially loneliness, potentially just feeling, feeling unsuccessful, feeling like a failure. And they, and they listen to this and they go, I want to find my superhero. Like, I want to find my superhero and I want to develop a way to work with my dragons, to train my, how to train my dragons. You know, what, what, what advice, what advice do you have for people? Wow. Great question, because my mind is going on all these different, in all these different directions. And I, I think that I might offer slightly different exercises for different people in different situations. Um, there's one that I like to use, and this is channeling our inner hero. And so I invite a particular person to think about a personal hero. So this could be a real life person, even if they're no longer alive, like a grandparent, for example, a teacher. It could be um, maybe an athlete, a celebrity, even if we never met them. It could be a historical or religious figure, or it could be a fictional character like Batman or Dumbledore or Wonder Woman, right? And so the idea would be that if we have maybe 10 minutes alone with our hero, so our hero comes over, we spend time together, and the hero knows exactly what you've been through. The hero knows your origin story, your inner critic, your inner dragons, right? All your hopes and aspirations and passions. And your hero has the most encouraging and loving words of wisdom for you. What would your hero say? And so I encourage people to really reflect on that. And we might want to talk to a different hero at different points and write out their message. Because I imagine a lot of times the hero might remind you that you're already making a difference, that you might not realize just how many people you've affected positively through your kindness, because people might not think to tell you this, right? People might not think to express their gratitude, but you're helping and inspiring people every day. And maybe a reminder that everything you do matters so that whether you're in a situation you like or a situation you don't like, even if you're not in a place where you can change the situation quite yet, there's still things you can do to make other people's lives better, to make your mark in this world. You already have and you will continue to do so. Oh, I love that. I love that. Thank you for giving us that that gift of a of a of a tool to use. Now I have a couple of interesting questions for you that we're going to end off with. So tell us a little bit. I believe Gail Simone named a character after you. Tell us a little bit about that. I'm curious. Oh my gosh. Um, 
I, I honestly didn't believe it. And I still don't. I have the graphic novel. I read it, but I, I just, it, I'm still in a place of disbelief. You know, she's one of my biggest heroes. And um, at one point she emailed me and she said, hey, would it be okay if I base a character on you? And I said, sure. And I honestly thought that she was joking or maybe just thinking about it, but I was like, there's no way. My imposter syndrome said like, there's no way. She probably forgot all about it. And then maybe a year later, I posted on Twitter about my imposter syndrome and, you know, just trying to be open, inviting people to share theirs and saying, hey, here's my imposter syndrome. You know, I'm not a real writer and I'm not a real therapist. I'm not, you know, and then she replied, you know, you are real, you are helpful. And I named a character after you. And I was like, wait, 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 like you actually did that. That actually happened. What's happening? And then it came out and, and, I, and, I, and I have the graphic novel and I open it and on the first page, there is a redheaded therapist who introduces herself as Dr. Janina Scarlett. And I was like, wait, wait, <laughs> what is happening? Um, yeah, I, I, I still, I'm still in disbelief and Gail is one of my favorite people in the world and I still can't believe that happened. Oh, wow. Wow. And I'm so grateful for the acknowledgement. Oh, that is, that is just incredible. So on a lighter note, you're in a superhero. What, what are the most favorite unhealthy snack to snack on? Unhealthy snack? Yeah. Um, does it have to be a solid food? Because my favorite unhealthy snack is coffee. Uh, I have a little bit of a caffeine addiction and by little, um, you know, I, I mean a lot. Um, you know, they say you could bring one thing with you on a stranded island. I would bring coffee, just all the coffee in the world. Uh, so that yeah. is that is so <laughs> incredibly cool. Janina, so tell us if people have enjoyed listening to you as much as what I have. What are the ways that we can follow you? What are the ways we can use to stay in touch with you? And is there anything that you need that we can help you with? Great question. Thank you. I'm always happy to interact. I'm on social media. If you look for Janina Scarlett, you can probably find me just about anywhere. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, those are the main ones. Um, and honestly, the best way that I am hoping people can help is that if if you're interested in, in any of it, if there's a book you're interested in reading, after you read it, give it to a friend. Because I think that there are a lot of people that might use might, might be able to use some kind of a support. And this have to be my book, just any book, if you read a book, and you found it helpful, give it to somebody else and start a conversation, right? Talk about mental health, because I think the more we talk about it, the more we heal. It's not about going through a hard time. It's about having someone go to go through a hard time with we can get through just about anything if we have a supportive person. So the best way anyone can help me is by spreading word about mental health, sharing books on mental health. Really, that's my main, my main ask. That's a really great idea. That's a really great idea about the books. Janina, and tell us training, workshops, 
you know, your superhero therapy, how, how does that work? Is that something that, you know, people can sign up for, you know, how, how can we get more? I, I think just, you've got a beautiful soul and an amazing heart. And I'm, I'm almost having a separation anxiety here just to know, know that I've got to say goodbye to you in a few, in a few moments. How can we, how can we, how can we get more of you? You're so sweet. Thank you. Um, so on my website, superhero-therapy.com, I have a page called trainings and it lists the trainings that I have coming up. Um, and so anybody can sign up. Um, people can also request trainings for their organizations or schools. Um, and so, um, yeah, so that's probably the easiest way to either sign up for a training I'm already offering or to request one. Oh, that is that is amazing. And folks will put some links um, into into the podcast uh, description. So so that you can get in touch with Janina. Janina, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've loved um, having this discussion with you. Just personally, my takeaways, you know, I'm, I'm going to definitely put some some of what you've suggested in action. I'm going to journal, I'm going to see what my dragons are telling me. And I'm definitely going to book in my calendar, I'm going to book a conversation with my with some kind of a superhero and ask them, you know, what wisdom they have, they have for me. So a lot of blessings on your work. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, having some of these hard conversations. And, you know, thank you for the three year old Janina that decided to carry on and the 12 year old Janina that, you know, faced the faced the bullies and just thank you for, you know, all of your work that you so generously share with people. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having, thank you for having me on. Thank you for having such an amazing podcast where people can be a part of this world, a part of, you know, all of your guests world and your world. And thank you for all of your kindness. Thank you for being wonderful. And thank you folks. So that is the brand, the brand warrior revolution podcast today and watch out for the next episode. Thanks for joining the Brand Warrior Revolution podcast with Chantal Buerta. Join us for the next episode. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.